Children of the Universe, welcome back to the weird. And adults of just this galaxy, welcome back as well. Uh, other adults from other galaxies, get the fuck out. I wish we had listeners from other galaxies. We might. But we have Bhutan, and that's something. We do. And I just want to thank our listener from Bhutan. You only listened once, and I'm assuming you're coming back at some point. Uh, maybe there's a saying in Bhutan, you're on Bhutan time, and you'll get around to it when you do, because you're doing Bhutanese things in the meantime. Do we have any Asian listeners? Like Japan? You mean Far East, uh, Eastern countries? Uh, we have had some, yes, we've had some from Taiwan. Oh. Uh, we certainly have Middle Eastern listeners, Bahrain, Saudi Arabia. Cool. People like that. Yeah. Maybe we can get some Saudi Arabian money into this thing. Well, that's what I'm hoping. I'll be talking about the famous, uh, next week, the famous ocean liner from Bhutan that went down the Bhutanic. Um, the Bhutanic. <laughs> Stay tuned for that. <laughs> the Bhutanic. That's so dumb and wonderful. <laughs> so, folks, um, if you missed the first part of this show, go back, because I'm going to just be jumping right into where I left off. So, please, just go back one episode and listen to part one of the Zodiac. Don't because skip it will, ahead. No, don't. It will all make sense, because I'm just going to pick it up right from where we left off, which was the murder of the taxi cab driver, Paul Steins. Okay, here we go. You guys ready? Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's go. We have liftoff. On October 13th, the San Francisco Chronicle, by the way, I should mention that the letters were mainly focused on the San Francisco Chronicle. At the beginning of the podcast, I mentioned that letters had gone to three papers, but it ended up that the San Francisco Chronicle was the Zodiac's favorite place to mail. So he had a communicating relationship with them. I don't know. No one knows. But anyway, he received a letter and in it, it stated, this is the Zodiac speaking. I am the murderer of the taxi driver over by Washington Street and Maple Street last night. The letter included a piece of blood-stained fabric, which was later confirmed to be a scrap of Stein's shirt. So Zodiac wanted to prove he was the killer and actually cut off a piece of the man's shirt after he had shot him. Mm -hmm. I've seen the piece of fabric. There's actually blood stain on it. The letter also contained one of the Zodiac's most chilling messages. And this one shook the community. This is what he said. School children make nice toys. I think I shall wipe out a school bus some morning, just shoot out the front tire, and then pick off the kitties as they come bouncing out. As you can well imagine, the city became terrified. Mm -hmm. All school bus drivers operating in San Francisco and the surrounding communities are briefed on what to do if an attack, in fact, occurs, squad cars are actually accompanying school buses. Planes are flying overhead, observing as school buses navigate their routes. And the police, because it's become such a media circus by now, are receiving hundreds of tips daily because nothing galvanizes a community more than threatening children. Every murder in the San Francisco area in that time period is attributed to the Zodiac, like everything. Everything is attributed to the Zodiac. Police from different departments, as I said, Vallejo, uh, Benicia, are all competing to solve the case and identify the killer. And this is proving to be really counterproductive. They're not working together. So at that point, a Zodiac task force is assembled so that all of the different jurisdictions could work together cooperatively and share information to try to find out who the guy is. Sean, you had something? Yeah, I was just going to say, you mentioned a media circus. So was that what triggered the media circus? Was the school bus threat? And if so, do you think that was his intention? Was they're not taking him serious? He's not getting what he wants. So he throws that threat out there and that's what triggered it. You know, that's a hard one to answer definitively because you wondered, was that intentional or was he just trying to grandstand? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I wonder if he knew that as soon as you threaten school children, kaboom, right? And no involvement yet from the FBI? Yes. Now. Uh-huh. Okay. There you go. But remember, back then the FBI isn't what it is right. today. Right. right? It's still not doing great. Nothing is at this point. This is still like... No, it's 60s. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're still innocent. Mm-hmm. We're still kind of an innocent world. 
you know, and it's still right now, the heavy thing is civil rights and stuff like that. And, and those kind of issues are really heavy in the, uh, in, in yeah, they're busy, popular culture. Uh, stalking civil rights leaders and uh yeah but everything like investigation techniques forensics everything crime scene investigate it was so yes not what it is now well, the whole profiling movement doesn't start till the 1980s well, uh, well, no, well, um, you're all, th- you're all thinking of mine hunter, aren't you? You're all, we are, you know, hunter. that's exactly where my brain went as I'm trying to go. When exactly did, cause it was, what's his that's name? John, the late sixties, early seventies, right? John Douglas, I think wearing. was the guy who started, is that his name? John something that started profiling yeah, through the FBI remember. and he's played by somebody else, obviously in mine hunter, which is loosely based on that. The behavioral science unit. He's actually played by a Broadway star. That guy is a singing. Broadway guy. Yeah, Jonathan Groff. He's like the king from Hamilton and uh, Spring Awakening. And Spring Awakening. Oh, yeah. That was his big, yeah. We know too much. Actors, we know too much about this stuff. Mm-hmm. All right. A week after the murder of the taxi driver Stein, a caller claiming to be the Zodiac contacted the police and demanded that either F. Lee Bailey or Melvin Belli, two of the most well-known lawyers in the entire country, appear on a local TV show called AM San Francisco. That show was hosted by a man named Jim Dunbar. Just picture an early version of the morning show. Lots of sound effects. And we all know who F. Lee Bailey was. They were just famous, notorious attorneys. Belli agreed and actually did appear on the show. The Zodiac, during the course of the show, called 54 times in two hours. In their interactions with him, they refer to him as Sam. Each time, he would only say a few words before hanging up. And he made statements like, I need help. I'm sick. I have headaches. I don't want to go to the gas chamber. Throughout the course of the conversation, he agreed to meet with Belli and turn himself in. And he arranged to do just that at a location in Daly City. Now, I should note that Belli, this attorney, was a huge media whore, and he just loves the attention. If you look at the coverage of all of this, the actual film, film footage, he's just gross. He just looks, he's just a gross media person. Police were waiting at the location in Daly City, but of course, the Zodiac never showed up. There was no evidence that it was actually the Zodiac. Yeah, I was going to ask that. Brian Hartnell, who I mentioned earlier, Brian, he was the survivor of the Lake Berryessa attack was later actually asked to listen to tapes of that program. And he has stated that the voice and the cadence were not the same as the man that attacked him and Cecilia. Mm-hmm. So we got that. There's uh sorry to jump in just quickly, but he, one of the, one of the things in that, no, this is Zodiac speaking, that great documentary is he does talk about that. And you mentioned that earlier was the Zodiac that day at the lake was so measured in his speaking and had such a specific cadence, a way of speaking. And he said that if he ever, he was very confident that if he ever, ever heard that man speak again, he would be able to pick him out right away. And he said, he's never heard that voice again to this day. Do you know, experts have listened to the voice and a lot of um, vocal experts claim that he sounds like somebody who was trained to speak and might have had severe dyslexia. Hmm. That there's the, the, the dyslexia where you have to really think carefully before you speak. A lot of people who have that sort, that manifestation of dyslexia, speak in a very measured monotone way because they have to in order to put their words in the proper order. So that could be something, but they've tried to trace it and it's led nowhere. Are, are you talking about the one that called in? All those times on the show or the recording the other recording no i'm not calling talking about the one on the show at all i'm talking about yeah, the one okay. who's called the, the switchboard operators and the witnesses also stated yeah that he he talked very much like this mm-hmm. all right not long after that incident the chronicle san francisco chronicle received a new cryptogram which has become known as z340 340 because it contains 340 characters no one could crack it People agonized over it for decades. Finally, interest in the puzzle waned and it was mostly forgotten. The most code breakers thought that it was simply a very cruel joke with no solution. So let's jump ahead. Now it's the 70s. March 22nd, 1970, Kathleen Johns and her infant daughter are traveling on a highway. They're about 65 miles southeast of San Francisco. A car pulls up alongside her and motions for her to pull over. She does so, and the man who has signaled her explains that something is wrong with her tire. 
And he volunteer. He said the wheel is wobbling, and he volunteers to tighten it. And he says that should fix the problem. And she agrees, and he disappears behind the vehicle. He tells her that it's fixed, and she's good to go. So she drives off. Almost immediately, the tire rolls off the vehicle, and she's forced to come to a complete stop. The car at this point is inoperable, and she has no idea how to fix it. The stranger then returns and promises to drive her and her daughter to the nearest gas station. However, as he drove, they began to pass gas station after gas station, and he shows no signs of stopping. He then calmly states that he's going to murder Johns and throw her baby out of the window of the moving car. Now, she manages to escape, again, heroism under duress, when he slows the car after making a wrong turn. And she starts to turn around. She jumps out of the car and runs into a dark field with her baby. Now, he gets out and searches for her with a very bright flashlight, but luck has it he couldn't locate her. He eventually gives up and drives off into the darkness. A passing truck then sees John, she's waving, picks her up and takes her to the nearest police station. On the wall of the police station, she spots the now famous sketch of the Zodiac that I mentioned earlier, and she immediately, when with great certainty, states that this is the man that she had just encountered. Now, this case is on the scale of yes or no. A lot of people say it doesn't fit his MO, it's probably not the Zodiac, but she said with 100% certainty, that's the guy. Every other crime he kind of, he claimed that it was his, correct? He took credit for. And this one he did not. So, oh, uh, interesting. Right? No, yeah, wait. I, am I right? No, no, okay, no, no, I could no you're not. I don't know as much about this one as I do about the other one. So I'm okay. Because I'm interested that, to yeah, hear this. Because nobody died. In July, a letter to the San Francisco Chronicle from the Zodiac stated as follows. So... I now have a little list, starting with the woman and her baby that gave a rather interesting ride. Oh. Okay. On April the 20th, 1970, the San Francisco Chronicle received a letter from the Zodiac, which stated, my name is dot, 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 followed by a cipher. That cipher is referred to as Z13. It's 13 characters. On June 26th, 1970, the final cipher known as Z32 was received. And this one is massive in the community of people trying to figure it out. It included a map of the San Francisco area and instructions on how to use the cipher to locate a bomb buried in the vicinity of Mount Diablo, which is a very famous mountain in that region. On the map, Zodiac inscribed his famous symbol on the very peak of Mount Diablo, the plus sign with the circle through it. It also contained the instruction, zero is set to mag N. In 1971, the letters abruptly stopped, and his final letter of all time was received in January of 1974. It was in that letter that he confessed to killing 37 people, Mm. and it was actually written as follows, me, 37, SFPD, zero. And at the beginning of that letter, he states, and this is the weirdest thing, I saw and think The Exorcist was the best satirical comedy that I have ever seen famous that statement about the exorcist so he'd obviously gone to see the exorcist and thought it was funny creepy so that was the last letter in the ensuing years following the killing streak the zodiac wrote more than 24 letters he once sent an absurd greeting card which you can see online in which he demanded that the people of san francisco start wearing nice zodiac buttons because buttons were becoming very popular at that time and he wanted pins that had the zodiac on them he loved teasing the police with cryptic hints he loved playing the game some of his later letters featured diagrams of bombs that he claimed could be very neatly hidden on buses so that is basically the first section of the Zodiac. That's it. That's the whole crime spree right there. Nothing happened after that. The letter stopped. Here we are. Thoughts before I move on? Has there been any indication of who those additional victims were? No. Not to jump the gun. No, you're not jumping the gun because I don't really get into that. But again, again, we're dealing with an era where crimes were being examined by police forces in silos Mm -hmm. so something could occur in ojai that vallejo would never hear about it wasn't the sharing of information that we're so used to now the 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 solving of crimes was very isolated in in, they were solving them in isolation so who knows Mm 
Mm-hmm. And a lot of crime experts have gone back, and you can read a lot of speculative literature about this, have gone back and examined all the crimes in that area right. for a 20 to 30 year period. And there's tons of them that could have been the Zodiac oh. because his crime style evolved, right? Mm-hmm. So who knows? I'm going to give you a few examples though. Okay, let me pick up the story. In 2002, the San Francisco Police Department was able to finally get a partial genetic profile from the saliva on one of the stamps from one of Zodiac's letters. It's not complete, but it did help the police to eliminate suspects. There is speculation that he may have been killing as early as 1963. Wow. Because that year, a high school couple named Robert Domingo and Linda Edwards were killed on a beach near the town of Gaviota. They were killed by the same type of weapon that the Zodiac had used to kill Faraday and Jensen. However, in this murder, the bodies had been moved to a shack, which had then been set on fire. Then in 1966, a girl named Sherry Jo Bates had been stabbed to death in an alley on the campus of Riverside City College. And in 1971, in one of his letters, the Zodiac claimed that he had killed her. But this confession occurred after the media had reported on her murder. Right. So now we're going to get into the part that I was going to deal with when I first decided to tackle the Zodiac, and that is the cryptograms. In 2006, a global team of codebreakers decided to explore Z340. They worked tirelessly, and it took them, get this, 14 years of work, uh, part-time work because they had full-time jobs, to finally decipher the code. The team included a software developer named David Oranchak, a Belgian computer programmer named Jarl van Eyke, and an Australian applied mathematician who was named Sam Blake. And the three of them came together and decided that this would be a project they would work on on their off time. Eyke had developed a program to break that specific code, and it's now known and very famously known as the AZD Decrypt. Blake worked manipulating the symbols to determine how they could be possibly transposed. Oranchak's work on this was to fill in what remained. Blake actually completed over 650,000 manipulations of the original cipher text. And it was frustrating because the cryptogram was filled with false positives. Then... On December the 3rd, Oranchak announced to the public that Z340 had finally been cracked. Oddly enough, the phrases, or the gas chamber, and hope you are trying to catch me were pivotal in leading them to discover the ultimate solution. And they discovered that to solve it, the puzzle had to be read diagonally. And once they did this, they rearranged the order of the letters and symbols. Then they put that reordered code through the code-breaking software, but nothing was revealed. Not a single word, not even those two original phrases. But then, Oranchak took a chance and added gas chamber and hope you're trying to catch me as known solutions to the program. He ran it again, and for the first time ever after 51 years, the first few hidden words of Z340 were revealed, and they stated as follows. That wasn't me on the TV show. Wow. They were elated. So they applied that part of the solution with that phrase to the entire puzzle, but again, it wasn't working. It should have been working, but it wasn't. But why? And then they thought to themselves, could the Zodiac have made a mistake in the encryption? So they pursued this line of reasoning and were surprised to discover that the Zodiac had indeed made several spelling mistakes, which were ultimately responsible for the cryptogram being almost impossible to solve. So they corrected the errors and that led them to finally decrypt the entire message. And here it is. I hope you were having lots of fun trying to catch me. That wasn't me on the TV show, which brings up a point about me. I'm not afraid of the gas chamber because it will send me to paradise all the sooner because I now have enough slaves to work for me where everyone else has nothing when they reach paradise, so they are afraid of death. I am not afraid because I know that my new life is life will be an easy one in paradise death. That solution was submitted to the FBI on Saturday, December the 5th, 2020. Oh. 
And the greatest part of all was that we now know that the caller into the show that spoke to the attorney Belli was indeed an imposter. Mm. Because Zodiac was many things, but he never lied. Quick question. So paradise is a phrase that he had used previously. Yes. Was it misspelled the same way in both cryptograms? I'm not sure, Sean. Because I noticed that when I saw it, but I now realize I had mentioned that earlier that uh, paradise had been misspelled. But I was actually referring to this one because he did misspell it in this twice, I believe. But the fact that they solved it. Is amazing. And it took them like all that time, 14 years, and they just plugged away at it. And they, they I love the, the methodical patience of mathematicians and people like that, computer people, because they were just like, okay, this isn't working. What if he, you know, what if we do this? And I, I can't describe verbally how the patterns work. It's best to see them animated because it'll show you like you go over two and over one and over two and over one. And then you feed that in and it leads to, it's a very complicated process, but they found mm-hmm. it. I can't wrap my... Can you imagine being there? It'd be, um, Sean, equivalent to the when when they first found the Titanic. It must be like that. Like after all this time, they solved one of the most important and cryptic ciphers in the world. What's also mind-blowing to me is the fact that you can't spell paradise, but your brain is capable of creating something that couldn't be cracked for like 51 years. It's the way the brain works and the skill set. It's... Uh, I, I have a hard time because I, I was reading about the, the crypto stuff and... Well, that's not terribly surprising. As an educator, I can tell you that I've come across kids that are brilliant analytical minds or mathematical minds, and they're terrible when it comes to written communication. Spelling, yeah. Well, my mom worked at the Canadian National Research Council, and on one occasion, she took me and they would have an open house. Mm-hmm. The National Research Council is one of our greatest achievements, and we have we're responsible for so like the, the synthesizer was discovered there. Anyway, it's a brilliant place, but the people who work there, there's like these scientists in the middle of the winter walking around with you know shorts on and socks and sandals, and they just can't talk to save their souls. Mm-hmm. But yet, you know, they're they're doing amazing, amazing groundbreaking. Work. I, I mean, I tr- tried to read about the, these things and and see, tried to wrap my brain around how they work. And I just don't have that type of brain. You know, I don't have that math or that sort of thing. And I'm like, this is... I find Sudoku terribly difficult. <laughs> but I was just, I looked at it. I'm like, yeah, yeah, there's there's no way. There's, you know, there's no way. I'm going to take you guys down to um, our favorite place, Theory Hotel. Okay, good. Because possible suspects. So we're checking into Theory Hotel. Right on. There's a guy out there named Gary Stewart. And he asserts with 100% conviction that his father, Earl Van Best Jr., was the killer. He published those theories in a book entitled The Most Dangerous Animal of All, Searching for My Father and Finding the Zodiac Killer. I hate books that have those kind of titles. Long damn title. Like, get an editor. Um, (laughs) If you look at his father, Earl Van Best, he really does resemble the sketch. His name is also the same exact number of characters as the famous My Name Is Cipher. A handwriting expert also states that the handwriting of Earl and the Zodiac are identical. However, a witness later confirmed that the marriage certificate that was used as an example of Van Best's handwriting was in fact written by a priest and not Best himself. He was also not heavyset in any way, shape or form. He was a skinny guy. So that's one of the theories. This guy still to this day claims it's his father. Now, this is the one we know the most about. A guy named Robert Graysmith, who was a political cartoonist at the San Francisco Chronicle, asserts that a fellow named Arthur Lee Allen was the Zodiac. And this theory was the foundation of the Zodiac film. And Jake Gyllenhaal, just so you know, plays Graysmith in the movie. He was obsessed with the case and he wrote two books about it. One's called Zodiac and the other one is called Zodiac Unmasked. Alan is the only suspect that the police ever named. He was a loner with a near genius IQ and he loved guns. On the day of the Lake Berryessa stabbings, Arthur Lee Allen told his family that he was going to go scuba diving that afternoon at that location. That evening, he had returned home covered in blood, and he also had a bloody knife in his car that people had seen. Police had also received an anonymous tip at the time of the Berryessa murder that Allen was indeed the man they were looking for. 
They investigated it, and Alan claims that the reason he was covered in blood was that he had butchered a chicken for friends, and it was just a huge misunderstanding. So the police are like, okay. Mm. Two years later, a friend of Alan's named Don Cheney comes forward and claims that Alan called himself the Zodiac before the killer had ever used that name in his letter. So when he would get drunk in conversation with this guy, Don Cheney, he would say, I'm, the Z- I'm Zodiac. Call me Zodiac, man. I'm Zodiac. He claims that uh, Arthur Lee Allen had also confessed to planning to hunt humans with a gun and a flashlight. In an interview with police, Allen actually claimed that his favorite book of all time was a book called The Most Dangerous Game, which I don't know why, but I've read. I read it when I was a teenager because it was in the school library. And it's about a hunt involving human prey. And remember, that book was mentioned by the Zodiac in his first letter. So that's again points to Arthur Lee Allen. In the book, a character named Count Zeroff, which kind of sounds similar to Zodiac, who dresses all in black and hunts couples in the woods with a gun, a knife, and a bow and arrow, features prominently. So that's the main character, and he's hunting humans. Allen also wore a very distinct brand of watch known as a Zodiac. And that watch face featured the exact same symbol that the killer used with the the plus sign with the circle around it. He also had worn boots, which were identical to those worn by the Zodiac killer. When police searched Arthur Lee Allen's home, they found the remains of dissected animals in his freezer, as well as bloody knives and sexual devices. I tried to find out what specifically the sexual devices are or were, and I can't find it anywhere. The police are very polite about it. I don't know, like, was it dildos or was it torture? Like, that makes a big difference, right? But were they BDSM stuff? Couldn't find out, but let's just leave it at sexual devices. In 1974, Arthur Lee Allen had been convicted of child molestation and sentenced to three years in jail. Note, no Zodiac letters had been received during that period. He's released in 1977, and six months later, a Zodiac letter is received stating, I'm back. Furthermore, in 1987, a San Jose prison inmate named Ralph Spinelli stated that Allen had actually confessed to him the Paul Stein murder. That's the taxi cab driver. In 1969, this guy's a class act, Spinelli owned a strip club in Northern California. Arthur Allen wanted to work there as a bouncer enforcer. Spinelli told him he wasn't interested, and then Arthur Lee Allen said that he would prove himself by pulling off something big in San Francisco the next day. Well, that day was October 10th, 1969. One day later, Paul Stein would be fatally shot in his taxi cab. In 1991, a detective named George Bowart interviewed Zodiac survivor Michael Majot. And during that interview, he was given a selection of photographs and asked to pick out the image of the man that had shot him. Without any hesitation at all, he picked out a photo of Arthur Lee Allen. At that point, police decide to search Allen's home again. At that location, they find diagrams for fuel oil bombs actual assembled bombs, and a large collection of tapes about the Zodiac Killer. Well, in 1991, the media got wind of that investigation, and one station even conducted an interview with Allen, which you can watch. He vehemently denies any involvement with the murders. The police are frustrated because they still don't have enough concrete evidence to pin anything on him. In August 1992, just one year later, Arthur Lee Allen is found at home, and he has died from a massive heart attack. An autopsy is conducted, and tissue samples are taken for DNA analysis. A sample of his brain tissue is also taken for possible future use. Allen's DNA did not match in any way the DNA taken from the Zodiac postage stamp. Mm. But some folks claim that he... This is so weird, but I've come across this twice that he used to ask other people to lick his stamps for him. Uh, you guys don't do that? Stamps? What are those? I found some the other day, and I'm like, what is? what are these? I will carry lollipops around and ask people to just, I'll hold it. Well, forget it. <laughs> that got creepy real fast. Sean, are you wearing pants? Uh, Dan, that's, uh, I'm pleading the fifth on that. 
So the fingerprints taken from Arthur Lee Allen did not match the fingerprint found in Paul Stein's taxi cab. Handwriting analysts also concluded that his handwriting did not in any way match the Zodiac's printing. A palm print that was also found on one of the letters, the one where I mentioned that he thought the exorcist was hilarious, did not match Allen's palm print. And finally, Arthur Lee Allen doesn't resemble the famous sketch in any way. Mm. But this is the one that Gray Smith, right. to this day, says is the killer. That's the killer. And I, and, and I remember in the movie, he's really upset because the handwriting doesn't match, right? Isn't that a key sort of component that he's so sure that it's him and he's so sure there's something wrong with the person analyzing the handwriting that maybe he's disguising his handwriting or something like that, right? Am I... Am I uh... Yeah. More or less. Because I thought he was ambidextrous, right? That was one of the things they said. You remember that scene when they go to visit him where he works and the detectives bring up the fact that his foreman or the person he works for mentioned that he was, that he could, you know, he was very efficient uh, with both hands and he denied that. But weird, weird. Okay. Well, and and I'm just going to say about this wild circumstantial evidence, though. That's crazy. But it is circumstantial evidence. It is circumstantial evidence. Yeah. You would be surprised during the um, investigations for serial killers how many people they find that very closely match the serial killer. There's a lot of weird people out there, man. Yeah. Okay. A retired Escalon police officer named Harvey Hines believes that a man named Lawrence Kay was the killer. Lawrence Kay was commonly known in the community by the nickname Kane. And in 1962, he suffered a brain injury in a car accident, and as a result, his behavior changed and shifted. One psychologist stated that Kane was losing his ability to control self-gratification. Letters that spell Kane can be found in the My Name Is Cipher, which also contains three eights with circles around them. Three times eight is 24, and Kane was born in 1924. The sister of the second victim, Darlene Farron, claims that Kane had been stalking Darlene just before she had been killed. Kane also matched the description of the cab driver killer, and he lived six minutes away from the location where Stein had picked up that deadly fare, that hotel that I mentioned. Police also stated that their investigation had placed Kane in the locales where several of the Zodiac's victims either lived or were killed. In 1970, Kane moved to the Lake Tahoe region, where a nurse named Donna Lass had disappeared. She worked at the same hotel as Kane. Kathleen Johns, who I mentioned, the woman who had fled the Zodiac's car with her baby, positively identified Lawrence Kane as the man who had tried to abduct and kill her. However, Kane's handwriting did not match the Zodiac's. Kane is not heavy set in any way. Uh, I should note that a Zodiac-style letter was also received by Paul Avery of the San Francisco Chronicle, which referred to Lass as a victim 12 and contained details about where her remains were located. However, this was written again after the crime had been publicized. And there's a lot of sick people out there. Footnote time, boys. More than 2,500 suspects have been investigated over the course of the Zodiac investigation. No charges have ever been laid. There are currently many, many internet sleuths out there still trying to solve the mystery of the Zodiac. Most believe at this time that he is either dead or incarcerated. Z32 and Z13 have never been solved. That's the end of my story. Question. The the same trio that deciphered the other cryptid, is that right? Cryptogram, cipher, Cryptogram. call it what you want. Are they are they working on those two, the other two? No. What? It's too hard. Oh. The longer uh, the cryptogram, the easier it is to solve because you can pick out words. It's only one of them is like, what? Oh, yeah, it's that 13, it's 13, 13 letters. 13, yeah. There's no words that you can use as cribs. Those, Yeah, there's nothing they can do. It's, it's almost impossible to solve. And they've applied the keys that they use to solve the other cryptographs to it and got nothing. Hmm. Okay, boys, speculate away. What do you think? A couple of questions. The, the handwriting samples that they have... Uh, the cryptograms would come usually, they didn't come on their own. They would normally accompanied by a letter, correct? Or did they, yeah, they come would on never, they never received just a cryptogram. It was always a letter. Always a letter and a, okay. So they, and drawings, 
if those might. I, this sounds, I don't know, maybe too out there and bizarre, but would it be out of the realm of possibility that a man who would get other people to lick his stamps would maybe get someone else to write the letters to throw off the handwriting thing? That would be absolutely adding someone to your inner... It had to be someone you trusted. It would, or somebody that was easily manipulated. I mean, you do see that through the course, hmm. you know, accomplices or that they are able to bring someone. It's interesting. The brain thing injury uh, was interesting to me as well. I hadn't heard that one. The cane? Cane, yeah. You do hear cases of that in other theories, one of them being Jack the Ripper, which was probably the most famous serial killer other than Zodiac, which, uh, you know, a lot of people thought it was Prince Albert uh, Victor was the Jack the Ripper, or they said Sir William Gull, who was the Queen's surgeon, had, uh, there's a couple of movies uh, that have that theory, and both of them, I mean, Albert Victor had severe syphilis and had caused, you know, a lot of cognitive impairment. Uh, and I think William Gall had had a br- uh, some brain. He was starting to lose his mind, and that's why they uh, they think that he may have been involved in it. But, yeah, here's, interesting. Here's a, a question for you guys. Are there other serial killers, other than Jack the Ripper or the Zodiac, who needed to communicate with the police or the media the way the, those well, the Son Zodiac. of Sam. So Son of Sam was Big like time. that as well? Yeah, Son of Did Sam. He, but he didn't use ciphers or anything like that in, in his communications, right? No, but he was, his, he was he's very babbly, rambly weirdness. Like Bundy didn't do that. John Wayne Gacy didn't do that. Boston Gacy Franklin. didn't do that. Bundy did not either. Bundy was way too savvy. I'll talk about John Gacy in a minute, though. I'm going to bring him up in a second. Uh, BTK got caught because yes. of correspondence with the Dennis, Dennis Rader, was his Dennis name? Dennis Rader, yep. Bind, torture, kill. And he was such a, it's weird because Jack the Ripper and then Zodiac, there's this, this hubris, this ego that comes with it, almost like they want to get caught. And it's always one little thing that, you know, trips them up that they do. And I think why Zodiac and Jack the Ripper is so famous and, you know, continue and endure and we still talk about them is because they weren't came close obviously with those two cops that you know had him and let him go but they we don't know who they are also one thing one very basic thing they stopped with jack and i don't want to go into too much detail on jack the ripper no nor do I'm actually i in mid stages of preparing an episode of jack the ripper mm. but one thing that's interesting about those two sean with the correspondence is there's a lot of speculation that after the first and or maybe even second letter the rest aren't authentic that was you know the first time you're seeing like imposters and caught co- and not copycats but people taking credit where so almost you know, like the talk show call in right but the victorian uh version of it so uh i will tell you more about dennis Rader and how he got caught in a second can i tell you a quick funny story about jack the ripper so my my other obsession uh as i told dan before uh as a child other than the titanic was jack the ripper what? As a child? What's wrong with you? I don't know. You know, I'm very popular with the ladies. I mean, when you bring that up, interest, Titanic, Jack the Ripper, you know, it's right away. Instant chemistry. So as a kid, I always, you remember, I don't know if it was the same in the States, Riley, but here we always had to do public speaking once a year. You had to write a speech. Did you have to do this, Dan? Yes. Or was it okay? So you had to write a speech and you had to get up and you had to memorize the speech. You were allowed to have your little cue cards as prompts, but. Mine was on Blue Whales in grade five. And you would get up and give a speech. So, surprise, surprise, like we moved a lot around a lot. So I was always at different schools. So every year I just used to do the Titanic because <laughs> I hadn't done it the year before. Uh, and then when they found the Titanic, it added such a, you know, in 85, it added such a, you know, a new angle to my speech. But then it got to a point where I was at the same school for like four years and then after the third year a couple of the kids were like if he tries to do the titanic again they went to the teacher and they were like you gotta stop him like no more titanic so the teacher was like uh no titanic so i'm like okay i'll do my speech on jack the ripper and uh one of the speeches i was so nervous because i was so used to doing the titanic that i'm doing my speech and i'm reading one of the letters from jack the ripper and I believe the letter said, I'm not, I would have to Google it. I'm not a, he was saying he wasn't Yiddish or Hebrew. He said, I'm not a butcher. I'm not a Yid. Do you know this letter, Dan? 
Except I was so nervous it came out so fast. <laughs> the first thing I said in the speech was, I'm not a bitch. Was instead of butcher or yid. I don't know. It just came out, I'm not a bitch. Yeah, that's what he said in the letter. And I started my speech like two minutes in with, I was really nervous and I'm not a bitch. And even the teacher was laughing. Uh, but it broke the ice and the rest of the speech went well. But What's your point? Uh, the, my point is, if you're ever afraid of public speaking and you're having a, a tough time, just throw in the phrase, I'm not a bitch, and it's going to instantly put everybody at ease, you're going to feel better, and then you'll be able to proceed. So just remember that. Riley, to answer your original thing too, though, about what we think, I think it's impossible. It is. It's just impossible. I don't believe it's Arthur Lee Allen. I don't. Uh, he was my main guy. I think it's if there's anyone that's been presented that it could be, certainly he looks like the most likely. However, I agree with you. I think it's circumstantial evidence. He doesn't fit the description at all. And we want him to be, especially when you watch that movie, right? You want it to be mm-hmm. him. He's yeah, so you creepy. Do. He's a jackass. And yeah. the guy is a bad the guy's a bad person. Oh, he's right? terrible. He's a he's- pedophile. He's terrible. But is he the Zodiac? There's just no hard evidence to suggest that he is. My feeling about the Zodiac is what happened to him? Why did it mm-hmm. just stop? And that's the big question that most of the Zodiac people ask. Why did it stop? They believe there was two choices I mentioned earlier. He's either incarcerated or he's dead. What was his last murder? What year? The taxi cab is his last murderer. That's the last one. Paul Stein. Right. Yes, because he had the girl with the baby, but nobody died. Nobody died. If it was him. Isn't it weird that the baby and the girl, it, you never, I bet you didn't know about that, Dan. I remember that part in the movie because she gets in the car and she has a baby and she starts smoking in the car. And I'm like, this is the 70s. Only you it would be smoking while you're holding your child in a car with no windows rolled down. I love that era. Do you remember? I was ta- telling a friend the other day, I remember being in the hospital waiting room and everybody smoking. I remember people smoking in movies. And it doesn't make sense for her to have staged it. You know, there's no notoriety back then for that type of thing. Uh, she didn't get a 15 minute of fame as a result of this no, claim. No, no, no. She doesn't talk about it much. You know what's really interesting too that we must remember? Zodiac tended to be very honest about what he did. He said he killed 37 people. You can go to many websites. There's people, like I said, who have gone through meticulously all the crimes in that area for a certain period and tried to figure out which ones matched his MO. So, you know, whatever that means. Unfortunately, I think this is one of those crimes that will forever remain unsolved. The reason I wanted to do it was not because of the crime. I'm not, we're not a true crime podcast and I stay away from crime as much as I can because the pod world is saturated by true crime podcasts, but it's the whole cryptogram aspect of it. It's the mystery of it. It it is a mystery. It is a weird tale. It is confounding and fascinating and riveting. And I think it's probably, in my opinion, the most interesting serial killer case out there. Are there any theories and I'm not I'm not being facetious here that it's that there's a supernatural element to it? Never come across that. I mean there has to be people. I'm sure some people think it was aliens. Like I said, one of the fascinating things is other than that one time by the Presidio after the cab driver almost getting caught there, there was really no slip up. And I referenced BTK and Dennis Rader. I mean, he probably would have kept going and, and wouldn't have got caught if he got caught because he worked at a church and was corresponding with the police. And he asked them, if I send you a floppy disk, can you trace it? And they were like, no. So he sends him a disc and it has other data on it uh, th- that they were able to crack and found out his name and, you know, all that. And they then they oh then they were able to get access to his daughter because she was in university, her medical records, and they did a DNA test and then compared it. And that's how they caught him. But there's nothing there's nothing unless his identity is in those last two cryptograms which it sounds like they're never going to solve then i don't think we're ever going to know i don't think we are either unless somebody has uh, left leaves behind in their will and last will and testament a uh, confession i just i was going to say to just to to round back on what i brought up the thing that has stood out for me with this whole story and the case is there is a demonic element to it you know the references to paradise even that offhanded reference to the exorcist, the 
stone cold evil way of killing. Well, isn't there a demonic element to every serial killer? We don't understand them. And it seems that they're monsters. Like to me, they're monsters. Mm -hmm. I just, because I, you, I like when people shoot their wives because they're mad or, you know, those kind of crimes occur. I think they're awful, but I get it. Sure. Like I can actually understand it. But then when I try to put myself in the headspace of somebody like Jeffrey Dahmer, for example, who just members people and injects them with like drain cleaner to try to neutralize their brain so they become sex zombies, I can't understand it. Like the pathology of it is so foreign to me that to me, they're just monsters. They're not humans. They're monsters. I really like that scene and a great line um, in the less popular, the least popular of the two, uh, the Red Dragon uh, with Hannibal Lecter and, uh, you know, Silence of the Lambs. But Will Graham, before Clarice Starling is talking, he's the one who caught Hannibal Lecter and they're having a conversation and he says you were able to catch me do you think you're smarter than me and he said no you have a, a disadvantage and he says what's that he says you're insane like that's the disadvantage and that's what it these these people are they're insane they have yeah. I mean they're narcissists they're psychopaths they have to be and that's why talking about why he stopped because they really do get a, a taste for a thirst for it so I have to believe that Either it was incarceration or it was death, but it wasn't a choice. The Zodiac did not stop because they just woke up one day, flipped the switch and said, I'm not doing this anymore. Uh, it had to be something that we'll probably never know about, but something happened to stop this. Well, on that note, I would say that um, there you have it. That's our 50th, the story of the Zodiac. One of, uh, And like I said, weird listeners, don't worry. We're not going to become a gory true crime podcast. And I hope I tempered that with the fascinating elements of the mystery rather than the gory con sort of descriptions of the crimes. I'm not into that. What I'm into is it's just so intriguing. Mm -hmm. We talked about this a lot, Riley, before we... You, well, before you venture down that path, and I, I think it is an odd and perplexing mystery, and the sad part to it uh, from a storytelling perspective is that there's we don't know the resolution. I know. And that's mm -hmm. the great part of it and the frustrating part of it. I agree. I mean, I... It's the compelling thing. The thing that draws you in about it is just the uncertainty, not knowing who it is. And that's the same the reason people still are fascinated by Jack the Ripper is because we're just never going to know. Obviously, with that, that'll never be solved. But with this, maybe something will be unearthed. It does not look like it with each passing year, although they did just solve that one, that cryptogram. So you never know, but I don't see it happening. But I just, I was so excited when I found out you were doing this and uh, you did not disappoint. This was, I loved every minute of this. Good. Thank you. I, I, I watched a lot of stuff and read a lot of stuff. Woo. So that's it. Um, people out there in Podland, this is the end of season two. Uh, we're now going to be taking a couple of weeks off. I have to move, uh, and that's going to be complicated because I'm moving the studio and my whole house, and I'm moving from the city, deepest urban jungle, to the country. So I need some time to set everything up in my new location, and it's time for us to take a break. It's summer. Yeah, it's been. I think uh, we we last took a break, Riley, from recording around Christmas time. Mm -hmm. I think it was the last time we took a break. And people don't, they hear us and they hear a weekly show that lasts, you know, somewhere between 45 minutes and an hour. What they don't see is the, uh, all the hours that are put into researching our show, all the oh. editing hours that you put in uh, post-production to get uh, these shows sounding good and, and ready for our listeners. So we need a little break just to recharge our batteries and um, and to go sunbathing. While Riley's uh, moving, Dan and I are going to solve those last two cryptograms. That is a guarantee. And I'm going to start by pulling out that Sudoku book my son never finished. I'm fairly certain there's uh, an answer in there. Dan, uh, happy 50th. Happy 50th. Sean, thank you so much for joining yeah, us. Yeah, Sean, that was great. I'm glad you were it here for this one. a pleasure. You're a long time friend and uh i know you've been so supportive of riley and i in this first year and uh, it was great to have you on board mm -hmm. for these two episodes and the and then the 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 ones you've uh, uh taken the lead on yourself uh thank you so much for doing that and listeners thank you 
thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, look, Riley and I are, are making, uh, at this time, no money doing this. Not a cent. <laughs> a labor of love. And we do hope that coming in season three, that um, that, that might change. But if, even if it doesn't, that's not why we're here. We love telling you these stories. And here's a dirty little secret. We enjoy each other's company a lot. And, uh, and having um, had Riley for the last year to do this with, it certainly made uh, living through this pandemic a lot more bearable. Amen to that, brother. I am so glad that we connected to do this project. And I just love it. And I think we're getting better at it. As I'm editing, I'm like, hey, this is sounding pretty damn good. Um, just to let you know, I'm working on a uh, the next, my opener for season three. And it's about a Soviet cannibal island. Oh, just leave that. I'm doing one about a small northwestern town in the United States where these boys fi- found a pirate uh, treasure map. I love The Goonies. I love that movie. Oh, you've heard of it. Oh, that movie's great. That movie's amazing. If I could just say something for a second, guys, before you sign off, I just wanted to thank you guys for having me. I, like I said, I started listening with episode one and took it from there. And I don't think you could appreciate how difficult it is to produce an hour of this until you actually uh, are involved in it and, and work on it. As Dan said, the amount of work that goes into it and Riley with just having to clean up my sound, I know is a full-time job, but the episode's have always been good. They are getting better. And uh, I love being a part of it. And when I'm not a part of it, I love listening to it. And the show continues to get better, uh, the quality. And congratulations. This is quite an accomplishment. And you guys should be proud of yourself. And I'm proud of you. Thank you. And Sean, the listeners, will definitely be back. He'll be back. So mm-hmm. uh, have we said enough? I think we've said enough. I think we have. All right. Hey, look, everybody. If you've liked what you've been listening to for the past 50 episodes, uh, you know what to do. Like us, follow us, subscribe to us, and please share the word of the weird. Look, I would tell you, go climb a mountain and shout about our show on top of that mountain, except research has shown, uh, Sean Riley, I read in Cosmopolitan article, 78% of people who climb mountains and shout from the top of them, their message doesn't get heard. So don't bother with that. But do email and Facebook and Instagram, share stuff uh, and get the word of the weird out there. Thank you very much, everybody, for listening for the first 50. We look forward to uh, hearing from you and having you listen for the next 50. Okay, guys, goodbye on three. One, two, three. Goodbye. Goodbye. Okay, come on. That wasn't in sync at all. One more time. One, two, three. Bye. Bye. Bye.